we going? We're good? That is good. It's good to see all of you lovely faces here today. Today we're going to talk about money. Yeah. I've titled it, Your Budget Reveals Your Bay. If you're unfamiliar with the name or with the term bay, it's just another word for babe. Just missing a B. Yeah? So your budget reveals your bay. We are a, thankfully, we are a giving church. So understand that this message doesn't come out of a necessity. It comes out of my heart. <laughs> and I really want to speak on this today. Look, I want to start off today's, oh, before I even start, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you are a God of provision. And Lord, everything we have is yours anyway. Lord, we know that everything in our hands, Lord, comes from you. So Lord, right now as we glean from your word, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Show us where our faith lies. Lord, show us where our heart is towards you. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Cool. Might seem like a side note, but I want to ask you a question before we talk about money. And that is, do you remember when you first fell in love? Oh, everyone's smiling, making me sick. <laughs> no. no, do you remember? Take yourself back to that time. And when you first, first just fell in love with your partner. Oh, man, some of you just, it looks like you just fell in love with your partner today. You're hugging them, arms around your partner. It's just like, oh, every day is sweeter next to my wife. Isn't that awesome? She deserves the world. Who's heard that before? He deserves the world. I want to give her everything. I want to give him everything that I can give. Or what wouldn't you give? What wouldn't you give for your partner? That's the truth, right? That's how we are about our relationships. All of a sudden, we, when we start courting someone, we're infatuated. Nothing else, nothing else matters. Now look at these two. They can't separate each other's eyes from one another. Absolutely in love with each other. You know, uh, no, my wife is here for this one. I can't say that. <laughs> no, so the, the, it's absolutely true. When we're together, when we start a relationship, that sense of love is just so deep, isn't it? Can you smile? Can you nod at me if you agree? It just seems so deep. You've just gotten to know someone. It's, been, it's only been a week. It's only been a month maybe. But you just feel like, oh, man, I, I don't know how I could breathe without her before I met her. And now that I breathe with her in my life, my lungs fill up twice as much. I don't know. It's sickening. But that's the truth. That's how we feel. Something happens, though, when you meet someone that you love. And it's, it happens almost immediately. It has an impact on your wallet. As soon as you fall in love with someone, you start courting. You head out to dinner. You used to only pay for one person. But now you pay for two. All of a sudden, it seems like your expenses are a little bit higher because you're in love with someone. Isn't that true? Anyone, am I speaking to anyone else in the house? Or is that, is that just me? No. 
Because before I had a partner, I, I didn't have to share what I earned. I didn't want to share what I earned. I didn't have to worry about them eating. I just worried about myself eating. But that's the truth. So when we fall in love with someone, the correlation between us falling in love with someone and something happening to our wallets, it's connected. You can't say it's not. It's an absolute truth. Because when you fall in love with someone, you're willing to sacrifice something for them. The same thing goes for our other relationships. You talk to your mates. Hey, uh, I'm thinking about going out for a coffee. My shout. Anyone ever shout at a friend when you're going out for lunch? Yeah? Anyone ever have that friend that you keep going out for lunch with, but you seem like you keep on paying for everything? <laughs> and it lasts a little while, so you pull back from that relationship for a little while. It happens. It's the same. Across our relationships, whether you want to believe it or not, your finances take a toll. Just how it is. It's absolute truth. Don't worry, I won't talk about money for too long. I'm going to rip it off like a band-aid. I'm going to be real quick. In and out of here, I'll give you like 20 minutes. We'll be done. In our relationships, money has a way of highlighting our depth or our, our desire to please the other person. It has a way of doing that. Sometimes you'll see someone rock up with a ring and then the, the blokes will ask, that looks expensive. Someone just got engaged. They just got engaged, that looks like an expensive ring. I don't even want to know how much that costs. It's a bit scary. But even on the way to you, you getting that engagement ring, you worked for weeks, months even, to be able to get that ring to give to the person that would be your partner for the rest of your life. It shows the distinction. Am I making it clear? Is it clear now? Is it clear that the relationship actually has a toll on, or it actually has a correlation to how we spend, how we use our finances, how we, how we place our import, or where we prioritize our finance? So, first question was, remember what it was like to have just fallen in love, Pastor Rodney? The next one is, does this apply to our life with God? I'll let you think about it for a second. Understand I don't sit here and talk to you out of my purity and my innocence. I'm as guilty as anyone else. So I can, I'm comfortable talking about it. Does this apply in my relationship with God? To answer this, I want to go to Scripture. Let's go to Mark. We're going to read from chapter 12. We're going to go from verse 41, and we're going to read to verse 44. Very well-known scripture. I'll give you a minute to write, run through in your Bibles or in your smart devices. Um, and it's just, if you have another translation that you like to read, go to that. We're going to look here at a story about a widow that the Bible talks about. Jesus is talking about a widow in this story, and she's in the temple. Jesus, before this, before this particular uh, passage of scripture, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. He's already surrounded by people. He's had so many people questioning him about different things, questioning him about taxes, questioning about uh, eating, questioning about all these different types of ideas about the resurrection, who comes up, who are we all resurrected at the end of days. And the last verse before we go into this 
particular passage actually reads, they dared not ask him any more questions. They were scared. It's like, okay, he's got too many good answers and we can't, we can't, we can't trip him up. So then we read here in verse 40 to 44, sorry, 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And the poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering plate or the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. I'm a little bit extra, so I thought I'd play out a little skit for us. Jesus is, once again, Jesus is talking in the synagogue already. He's very clear what he's doing. And the way that Jesus is teaching is dumped out of the people. They can't say anything else. They don't know what else to ask him. Let's grab one of those chairs. I've got one off the end here. Just to make it clear, I want to be historically correct and accurate. <laughs> First verse. And he sat down opposite the treasure, the treasury, and watched the people putting money in the offering box. You put yourself in the shoes of the people in the crowd. Jesus is sitting opposite the treasury. This is where people put all their finances. This is where they bring their offerings into the house. This is where the tithing is happening. Jesus puts himself down right opposite the treasury and he watches. Tell me, who of you would actually walk up and put something in the plate at that time? I know I wouldn't. I'd be far away from that place. But he sits there and he watches. And I want to highlight a point here. God can see what we do with our finances. I think sometimes as Christians we get this idea that we can go through prayer, we can go through fasting, we can go through sharing the gospel, we can do all of these great things, and they're awesome things. They are awesome things. But when it comes to finance, it's like when we talk about finance in the church, the seats become very uncomfortable. Brand new seats, all of a sudden they just feel like old pews. You can hear them creaking and everything. But I was talking in the, after, the, after the first service and we were, talking, we were talking about Jesus and his teaching and he speaks so much about finance. Yet we've become so scared in our churches to talk about money. And that's a lie of the enemy. God has so much to say about our finance because he knows how connected we are to it. And he knows how much it reveals about ourselves. So Jesus watches. He sees them coming to the altar, coming to the, the offering box. Remember, I'm historically correct. Accurate. Sees the first guy walk up. This is my monopoly money. He looks at the offering box. He sees Jesus. He does one of these. 
walks away. But I'm sure he'll be happy with that. He should be very happy with that one. Maybe you're not one to hold loose cash. Maybe you want to hold bundles. You're like rolls. Oh, let's do this. Can make a little tower here for you. Have a look back. Surely he likes that. Surely he likes that. And then a little poor widow. Sorry, I've only got five cent pieces. But two copper coins. She comes up, and you can hear this money. At that moment, Jesus springs into action. You 12, come here. Come here, you need to hear this. See all that cash all over again? I'm not worried about that. You see those two coins? You see those two coins? And he's impressed, and he brings a word of revelation to the disciples. What does cash don't impress God? <laughs> How much money comes into the house? It's not impressive to God. We can't impress God without giving. Don't think we can because it's impossible to impress God with giving. What impresses God? Can someone shout it out? Heart? Sacrifice? Faith. Faith moves God. Faith moves God's hand. So to get the idea that any amount of money, any amount of finance that we bring into the house is impressive to God is to look at Bill Gates and try to show off to him that I spend $10 on a coffee. It's insane. He can buy the shop. But it's even worse than that because my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible. A thousand hills, the Bible says. Finance is not impressive to God. Hear my heart in this. Two copper coins was enough for God to bring a revelation to 12 disciples. <clears throat> Did a little bit of math. A little bit of research. One denarii is a day's wage when you look in the Bible. One copper coin is one 128th of a denarii. Two denarii were put into the, or two, two copper coins were put into the offering plate by the lady. So if you do a little bit of maths, a day's wage is a denarii. We bring it to today's standard. Maybe, let's say 200 bucks. You make 200 bucks in a day, that's five days a week, maybe a thousand bucks a week. I think that's generous for me. I didn't make a thousand bucks a week for a very long time. I think I started off making 400 bucks a week. But for, for argument's sake, let's say, let's say $200 a day. If $200 a day is a denarii, that means $6.25 is what this woman places into the offering plate. Two copper coins. Just two copper coins. And it's enough for Jesus to bring absolute revelation to the hearts of his disciples. You can't even buy a Happy Meal with that. But it brings revelation to them. Jesus, he, Jesus isn't talking about simply money. He's talking about heart. The other, thing, the other point that I want to bring across is the woman's circumstances don't dictate her giving. I think sometimes we get to this idea. I remember when I was, we were living in Sydney. And um, I'd grown up in the church, and I knew about tithing, and I knew that there were promises in tithing. And um, I remember talking to my wife 
I think it happened a few weeks, and it happened for a few, few, uh, few seasons in our life. And we would talk about our tithe, and we would start trying to budget out the week, like you do. And um, when it came to our tithe, I, I'd, I'd actually said, "Oh, you know, well, God understands." <laughs> well, yeah, no, God understands. And I realized today. God understand. The thing that I was actually saying to myself was, God understands my selfishness. To look out for me first. To look out for my kingdom first. Understand, this isn't a word of rebuke. I've lived this and I still struggle with this. But to think that I could be outside of God's provision in the first place that's nonsense. Nothing I have, nothing I bring to the table is ever something that is all mine. It's always been something God's given me. Everything I have has been a blessing. And I had to know that. Therefore, when I was bringing the offering back into the house, I wasn't giving him anything. I was simply returning a portion of what was already his. I had to know that. But I had to live it out. As I lived it out, I realized how selfish and self-centered I was. And still can be. Proportions matter. <laughs> I remember thinking at times when I was giving as, a, as an early Christian or even as a young adult, I, I remember thinking about times when I, was, I would say, Lord, when I have abundance, when I have more, then I'll give. I'll do it. I'll do it later. I'll do it when there's heaps in the account. I'll do it when I've got, you know, <laughs> it's about six figures. But I, might, I wouldn't mind four figures. <laughs> but I'll wait, till the, I'll wait until that time to be able to give. There's a couple of things we understand about this woman. One, she's a widow. So she, we know that her husband has either left or he's passed away. We don't know. We're not told which one it is which way or the other, but we know that he's not in the picture. Therefore, her provision is stifled because she doesn't have anyone to provide for her home. We don't know if she has a son. And as a widow, uh, the, the law of the land said that any of the next of kin to the, her deceased husband would uh, procreate with her to be able to try to bring forth a son. And that son would then be able to provide for the home. But we're not told about that. We are told, though, that not only is she a widow, Jesus actually says she's a poor widow. Many times through the scriptures we see widows mentioned and we, we, hear, about, we hear about widows in the scriptures, but here he actually he highlights she is a poor widow. Why I talk about proportions? The men gave out of a massive abundance. And she would give out of such life. That is something that can move God's heart. Wholeheartedly something that can move God's heart. And if you think I'm still talking about money, you are missing the point. You're missing the point. Not worried about your money. <laughs> the topic here is not finance, although that might seem like it. The topic here is heart. Because our giving reveals where our faith lies and our hearts are exposed when our bank statements are laid bare. 
I can lie to you about how much I pray. <laughs> I can lie to you about how much I read my Bible. I can tell you whatever I please right now, you would be none the wiser. And you wouldn't have any way to check. You don't live with me. But as I go through my bank statement, I can't hide from that. That's a paper trail that I can't. Our bank statements, the way that we use our finance, it's so transparent. It's so transparent. You can't hide from that. Go through it one day. Print your bank statement out, grab a highlighter, just highlight, pick a color for whatever that, whatever, whatever different things you provide for your home and yourself. Take it out, spend some time and highlight it and find out where your priorities lie. I have done this and I was shocked when I first did it. Your accountant will do that for you when you go and look for a bank loan. They do the exact same thing. Well, this seems like a lot of takeaway here. But you can't hide from it. Absolutely cannot hide. No matter how much you try. Your finance and your bank statement there will pull you up every single time. Am I making sense? <laughs> you see, God cares so much more for the intention of our hearts than any transaction in your account. That's what He cares about. That's what he cares about. You see, if you, like, like I'm saying, if you're still worried about money, I'm worried for you because that's not the intent of what I'm trying to say. I'm worried about our hearts and where our hearts are because no amount of finance is worth pulling out of giving to what God is doing. There's no, there's no amount. There's, there's, there's all of the, the Bible's very clear in what it says about our finances. It's very clear. The funniest thing is this. The church can do so much with this. We can bless people. We can buy some meals. We can do so much more with this. But God does not talk. The, the scripture does not talk anything about the abundance that is in the plate. It talks about the two copper coins. Because it comes from a heart that is reverent toward God. A heart that understands where giving is in our society. A heart that understands how connected our faith and our finances are. Oh, you might not like that word. It might not be something that you like. We can talk about it later too. That's all right. But most truly, your budgets reveal your bay. They show where your heart is. My wallet will reveal what I deem worthy of my finances. My purse will show my priority. Well, however you need to hear it, it's undeniable. It's undeniable because it's truth. And when we hear it in the church, I hate the fact that we cringe about it. Because God was, uh, Jesus was never, ever one to pull back from talking about the finance in our hands. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Because I want to pray. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for me. And if you heard this word today and you seem like you feel condemned about it, I break that right now in the name of Jesus. That is not where we wanted to take this. Not where I wanted to take this. Never ever in this house should you feel condemned. But if it's a conviction, that's, for you, that's between you and God. 
Lord, with our finance. Lord, we love you so much. Lord, let us not show it in a way that doesn't cost us anything. Lord, let that not only pertain to money. <laughs> let that pertain to our time. Let that pertain to our priorities. Let that pertain to our focus in life.